Hello there. My name is D. Yvonne Rivers. I am the hopes for Birth Moms Real Talk podcast. This is a platform for birth or natural mothers to share about their journeys, to share about their stories. We cover the hot topics, the things where no one else will talk about or go there. We cover the truth. We cover grace and healing. This is a place where birth moms and natural mothers can share their journeys. We are not therapists. We do not give advice. So get your therapist. We listen and we allow birth moms and natural moms to share their story. Listen in. Good day, everyone. My name is D. Yvonne Rivers and Birth Moms Real Talk Podcast, the platform where birth mothers share their journey, their story about grief, trauma, bringing that child into the world. And I'm so happy to have with us today, Barbara. Welcome, Barbara. Thank you, Yvonne. I'm thrilled to be here. Very good. Well, we want you to kick it off and Give us a snapshot of your life and your story of growing up, maybe from high school, about your family and and leading up to when you became a mother. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay. That was a long time ago. <laughs> you still remember. I know you do. <laughs> Absolutely. I've dredged it all up. <laughs> That's part of the healing. I was the oldest of four children in a fairly prominent family in a very small town. And um, I, I was kind of an introvert, and my parents were more doers, and I was more of a beer. So I always had a sense that I was letting them down <laughs> in some way. Um, but I, uh, I don't know, I, I had... I really had uh, an ambivalent relationship with my mother. She was my best friend, the source of music, which is very important in my life. Mm-hmm. But she was also my verbal abuser. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and then my father, as it was back, I was born in the mid-40s. So back in the 50s, a time of great conformity, my father was working most of the time. Mm-hmm. and. I kind of idealized him, but I didn't feel I could quite live up to his expectations either. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, our family never talked about feelings. And I remember listening to your story and how mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. your family was silent too. It was the brick wall, Barbara. It was like I was talking, did you hear me? Did you hear me? And you know, did you hear me? <laughs> I know. And it was part of the times. Like I said, it was a very conformist time. And maybe they never learned. Right. They What That's they learned it. was to have a stiff yeah, upper lip absolutely. and don't tell anyone outside the family, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I, uh, I was pretty immature, and I was only 17 when I left for college, mm-hmm. and very naive. My mother had never given me the talk, even though I tried <laughs> to get her to, so I knew nothing. Were, were our mothers given the talk, Barbara? Probably think, not. Think I doubt you. It. you know, I think generation upon generation, we, we're all saying it. My mother didn't tell me. Well, she probably didn't know because she hadn't had it. 
Oh, exactly. Yeah. And I, I think my parents were older than most of my friends' parents, too. Okay. My mother was in her mid-30s when she had me, her okay. first. Okay. And my dad was in his 40s. Oh, wow. Okay. So they were almost from the Victorian oh, era. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> One does not speak about such things, mm -mm. right? Mm -mm. So I went away to college, and when I came home for Christmas vacation, um, my parents went to the office party, and I stayed home with my brothers and sister, had a lovely evening, and was awakened by my mother in bed with me, and she crying 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 told me my father was having an affair mm. and then she proceeded to reveal his secrets that she'd kept all of their marriage and it was a loss of innocence for me wow. it just totally rocked my world and uh i went back to college but but tell me, go back and we say that revealing of those secrets held for so many years. And oh. so, but what transpired? So you said she, you woke up with her in your bed with you sharing those stories. So yeah, there was, what happened the next morning? That oh, was a big... it blew my mind. Okay. She acted as if nothing had happened. Oh, okay. All, all ready for church, okay. best suit, pearls, hat, you know, okay. the bed. Okay. My father waiting in the car to drive the whole family. No one spoke. Mm -hmm. it, it, I was dying inside mm -hmm. that I was going along. And then my father kind of coaxed me to their room saying, Barb, I want to talk to you. And I had this mixed feeling of like a thrill that he was going to confide in me because mm -hmm. he never did, mm. <laughs> but also fear because I knew this about him. Mm -hmm. And he proceeded to say, there's nothing to worry about. Your mother overreacts sometimes. It's nothing. It's nothing. Mm. <laughs> it like, and that was the moment I realized one or both of my parents is lying to me. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was a, that was a hard one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just uh, like it forced I say, it you to like, face it. It forced yeah. you to face it. Yeah. It was it was a yeah. total loss of innocence. Yeah. And yeah. so I went back to school, and unfortunately, my mother continued to keep me in the loop of their divorce of their mm. problems because I was going home on weekends to support her. Mm -hmm. and not doing my homework, not, mm -hmm. you know, being late for classes. Um, I remember one day, I sh one Friday evening I showed up, mother was fixing dinner, and dad loved the heart of the iceberg lettuce, and so she cut that off and sent me to give it to him. He was in the bathroom getting ready for his <laughs> weekend with his girlfriend so he she your mother sent you into the bathroom with some lettuce yes she thought she was gonna win him back with a piece of lettuce <laughs> in the bathroom yeah well i knocked on the door but still it was just so unbelievably insane wow i was losing my mind wow and i think you know her involving me in it yeah. and was not 
the best thing to do right in right, many ways right, but yeah. my thing my brothers too felt that they were drawn in and had to protect her or support mm-hmm, her mm-hmm. because it was just too much for us right right so yeah and so then, how long uh, did that go on you know that, so that, that you and your went, siblings were <laughs> the, whatever in between it was the whole well it was that whole spring mm-hmm. i think and uh, later in the spring, he came to tell me that they were going to get a divorce. And when he told me, he was saying, you know, I've, I've found someone, you know, we never, we never argue, we love each other. Uh, she wants to be a mother to you children. And mm. I thought I was going to vomit. Mm. Something about that wow. just was so deep. And I was thinking partly, I understand I can't get along with her either. Right. But I certainly didn't want someone else to replace my yeah. mother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I, th- so I kind of went into a deep depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think I wanted to escape my parents. I thought I just wanted someone to love me. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get married and live happily ever after. Mm-hmm. Take me away. Calgon. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. And, and, you know, I think when I was in college, my father used to, before this happened, he would come and take me to dinner if he was in town in business or me and my girl, my roommate. And I was starting to think that he actually loved me, that mm-hmm. he liked me. Mm-hmm. So I think I felt the betrayal right. personally too. Yeah, right. How could you not? I mean, think about it. Well, he's your dad. And just as you say, you wanted people to love you. Yeah. And show it in one way or another. Yeah. And if you weren't getting that, it's like, well, I'm not getting it, so I'm betrayed. Yeah. Yeah. Typical feelings. So, so like a lot of young girls, I think I was very lonely. Mm -hmm. I had learned not to trust people from my parents, Mm -hmm. but I also mistook lust for love, Mm -hmm. I think, Mm -hmm. when. young men paid attention to me right. and also I'd never been allowed to say no wow when you what does that mean you've never been allowed to say no my parents were very controlling and mm. I was never allowed to if I tried to say no or argue or ask a question I would be punished mm. so so you never say no to them I never said no to okay. them okay. and I think that carried over I was just too too passive, too depressed, mm-hmm. and and I had some fantasy that I would escape them, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so so I found myself pregnant mm-hmm. with Vicky's birth father, and not only did he step back as if it had nothing to do with him, both my parents did too. Mm. How was that and, when you told them? Oh, Tell me the circumstance. God, my mother, my mother, I went home. Oh, first, I went to the, uh, I have to tell you this. I went to the student clinic for 
pregnancy test, okay. right? They didn't have home pregnancy tests then. So. No. <laughs> Some of these things then. right now, you know, home or whatever, or instantly and so forth. Oh, that was, mm. yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to the doctor at the student clinic, and the next morning I could not get out of bed. I, I, I was depressed. I was having a little morning sickness, something. Mm-hmm. My roommate came and said, get out of bed, you shouldn't be here alone like this. Kennedy was just shot. Oh, wow, that day, January, that, what, 22nd? It was 63? November, November, November. November of right. 1963. Wow. And I, so I was processing that grief yeah. all day along with my fear. Wow. It was too much reality. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah. I went home for Thanksgiving soon after that, and, mm-hmm. I, and I kept trying to avoid telling my mother, but soon she kept asking, what's wrong, what's wrong, something's wrong. I demand you tell me. And so she, we were out to dinner, and she followed me into the restroom mm. and said, one more time, I, you have to tell me something's wrong. So I blurted it out. I'm pregnant, and I could almost see her f- face of disgust mm. but what shocked me she wasn't disgusted that i'd had sex she was disgusted that i'd gotten pregnant uh, well, now, how, she, now how did you <laughs> well how did you distinguish the, the disgust between one versus the other how did you because that out? she asked why didn't you use something uh, or didn't you use something and uh, that was her only question really and she'd never told me anything. Right. <laughs> so your response could be, uh, what was I supposed to use? <laughs> so I was silent. And then when we got home, she spoke to me again and said, you have to tell your father. And uh, so I called him. And the person who was kind and asked how I was Mm-hmm. was my stepmother, his girlfriend. Oh, so he had moved out of the house by then. Yeah. Okay. And, and he was he... with her. They were not married yet, okay. but he was living with her okay. in our small town. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So that was a little, I didn't take that in at the time, but I see it as ironic now mm-hmm. that she was the person who said, oh, Barb, oh, I'm so sorry. What? Can we do something to help you in some way? Mm. So how how was that? So when you, now your mom knows, now your dad knows, and his girlfriend knows. Yeah. So what was the next steps? So, um, what did happen next? I think my mother, the way she figured out to help was... We heard the doctor who had delivered my brothers and my little sister lived in Arizona. Mm. And they and her daughter had been a cello student of my mother's. And mother had been a second mother to her when she and her mother didn't get along. She was someone she confided in. And so she suggested that I go to where they live, that they could be family for me while I'm away. 
So you were the girl that went away. I was one of those girls, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. And what my father did, he he made an appointment for me to speak to a, a Heimachimach lawyer. That was not pleasant. Mm. And find out my options. And, of course, I had already decided that he he told me you can you can keep your child and risk being outcast and all of this you know all those provincial ideas mm-hmm. um, you can abort your child or you can give your child up for adoption and I said I couldn't do that I wanted to give her up for adoption what year and was of course, this? I didn't know it was a girl it was 1963 Okay. This is before the birth control pill. Um, even before, before Roe versus Wade. Before right? Roe versus Wade. Yeah. So I don't know how he thought I was going to. I, get an you abortion. know, that's what my mind is thinking. <laughs> what was the wheels turning back there? Okay. Yeah. All right. I don't know. I think probably as now, if you have enough money, mm-hmm. you can probably get one. Right. It's. It's wow. the people who don't have money who suffer right, from these rules. Right, right. So the other thing my father did was uh, he cashed in a, a life insurance policy he had taken out when I was born and gave me the money. Okay. And then, so that was as much as they could help. Um, my boyfriend, he was... He was an alcoholic, I think. And so he showed up drunk, um, falling down drunk. I think he was full of guilt, but Mm. he didn't offer to to marry me or help in any way. Mm. Well, he did. Actually, he he said he would help. He would send money or whatever, but he never did. Mm-hmm. And I remember I called him once because I'm O negative and my baby was O positive. Okay. So I called to find out his birth, his blood type. Mm-hmm. Because uh, sometimes you can re- reject the child if you have the O negative, O positive thing going on. Um, fortunately, that didn't happen. I okay. guess it's first the first birth, you're fairly safe, both okay. of you. So I went to, here's another uh, uh, cliche, I went to the Florence Crittenden home in Phoenix, Arizona. Okay, okay, okay. those names, those names. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I actually didn't stay there except the last month. I stayed with a family who had twins and helped them take care of their little family and just did lighthouse work and was part of their family for a few months, which was was probably a healthy thing to do. Yeah. Because how old were you at that time now? How old were you? I was 19 now. Okay. Okay. And then at Florence, the reason I chose going to Florence Crittenden, I had that choice and the choice of a private arrangement. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be around other young women going through the same okay. thing. And okay. that was such a wise choice for me. 
right. to see I wasn't completely alone mm -hmm. and to let go of some of the shame to see right. this wasn't just me who right. <laughs> was right. a bad person yeah. and a shame to my family. Were those, those shame and bad person, were they actually verbally spoken or you just got that idea of the response to you saying you're pregnant? When, no, it was prior to getting pregnant. Okay. Uh, when my mother became angry with me, I think she was really, now I realize she was really angry with my father, but she would mm -hmm. take it out on me and call me names and tell me I was um, lazy and un, mm. unappreciative okay. and, okay. you know, all of these names. And uh, actually my brothers and my father uh, also made me feel that way because they would call me names when we were eating dinner mm. because I was chubby. Mm -hmm. And so they would call me all these names too. So I was kind of, um, I was set up pretty well right, to feel, right. to feel a were, lot of guilt and shame. You were in shame. a lot, lot, lot of sense beaten down. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what my daughter always says. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. When people, when people, and on the how I, I characteristic, when people call you out of your name, of who you truly are, if enough of that is coming and poured on you, you may start to believe it. Oh, yeah, they're right. And you believe it about yeah. themselves, yourself. Yeah. That's why it's so important, as you mentioned, of being around these other young ladies. And so you got, hey, I'm not alone, number one. And number mm -hmm. two, you can help each other to lift yeah. your spirits. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I think that was that was a good choice. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah. So after I had her, well, the other thing, you know, back then they gave you ether, mm -hmm. and they gave me ether right before I finished giving birth, and she was gone when I woke. Mm. You so know, I and, and that I didn't have that particular experience, what I know of that is if you not if if you don't know about it, like it doesn't exist. I guess so. Yeah. Like they're they're afraid you'll change your mind. Um they kept voicing it as if it were to protect me. Mm. But I think it was to protect the commodity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um so it's when you say you woke up, so she was gone. So she what was, was said to you? Was I mean, did anybody say anything? I, I kind of, you know, when you walk in a room and you hear the silence and mm -hmm. you know the mm -hmm. conversation stopped yep. when you walked in the room, mm -hmm. that's how it felt when I woke. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, the doctor said, you you had a girl. We're just removing the afterbirth. Okay. You had a girl. That's so, it. So, yeah. So I said something. And this was something I just heard in a movie or something. Mm -hmm. I asked, does she have all her fingers and toes? Is she okay? It just, I thought, I don't know why I asked. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Doctors asked, are you going to see her? And I said, yes. Okay, you had a choice then. Yeah, I okay. got to see her later okay. through a window. 
but I okay. never got to touch her. Okay. So um, he he said she's going to have a little trouble with her lip, mm-hmm. and then I realized that my boyfriend had a cleft palate and he had a mustache and there was a little scar but i never thought of anything you know i have scars from falling down whatever right right and so i asked oh does she have a cleft palate and uh he said yes so then i knew and that's when i thought oh no this is going to be hard on a little girl girls have so much pressure to be beautiful all this nonsense and I, I realized in that moment, oh my gosh, he had probably went through bullying as a child. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to protect her from that. And so I started asking questions about, you know, maybe I should keep her, you know, um, how is this going to affect her? So... Well, those questions oh. you asked the doctor, I mean, was there any kind of a resolution or surgery that could help her at that early age? Well, I did, yes. Apparently they do surgery at some point when, um, at first I guess it's hard to use bottle mm-hmm. or to nurse right, until, right. It's, until it's closed. Mm-hmm. So I did ask the family friend, the the family friends who lived in that town. Mm-hmm. Her husband was my mother's OB. And I I told her, I don't think I should give her up. You know, I think I need to protect her. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, I think she's going to need both a mother and a father. She's mm-hmm. going to have to have surgeries. I think you should stick with the plan. And uh, so, and she was a grown-up. <laughs> right, you know? right. So that I thought, okay, but I still asked the agency as well. You know, is how is this going to affect her? Is she still going to get this wonderful family you've been mm-hmm. telling me that will spoil her and right. give her all this love? Right. So, um, so anyway, I did end up relinquishing her, but I insisted on naming her. Okay. I gave her the name Victoria with my middle name Anne okay. and her birth name's her father her birth father's last name. Okay. And uh, so So it was I, a closed adoption. It was a closed adoption. Okay. I I couldn't search for her until I think it was like in the 90s when I learned that Arizona was opening up the uh, records. Okay. So, um, were you able to send anything in through the years for uh, for her at her majority age to know where you were or all about yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, okay. I did okay. that. Okay. I registered mm-hmm. once there were agents, you know, those birth registries. Mm-hmm. And uh, but never heard anything. Right. Um, so, actually, Vicky told me that if I hadn't searched for her, she would have never searched for me. Did she tell you that? She grew up, I believing that I had taken one look at her and thrown her away. Mm. So give me an update. Like 
did she have surgeries? What's what was the status? She of that? had oh, yeah. Okay. She had multiple surgeries okay. until um, until she was you know 18 and she said okay. no more i'm through with this you know okay um yeah i think it was very painful and mm. she believed her bullies mm -hmm. and i don't know why why the adoption agency would have told her parents uh that i probably gave her up because i couldn't afford her surgeries that was mm. a lie um I found in my records when I was searching that they wrote down that the birth father didn't know. And I knew he knew, and I knew I'd told them because I right. checked on my blood type, on mm -hmm. the blood type. Mm -hmm. So there were quite a few mistakes right. uh, in the records. Um, so I So actually, she's thinking all the years on oh not my knowing God, yeah. you. Of all those situations of first look at her, that yeah. that's when you placed her. And she, and of course, like you said, if you believe your bullies, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so, it's so painful. Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, she believed yeah. her bullies. Right. She believed it, right. and uh, so that was that was not a good thing. That was. Right. It so how did you find her? How did you, what did your search, how did your search take you to find her? I, uh, I made a trip. Actually, my brother was taking his Boy Scout troop to the Grand Canyon, mm -hmm. and I volunteered to go along as a chaperone, and mm -hmm. I flew into Phoenix, and I, I went to the agency in person. Okay. okay. Um, because I thought the records were open now. I didn't know how difficult it right. was. Yeah. So I, I totally walked in the door, spoke to someone, and she said, I'm sorry, I can't help you. So I, mm. I went back to my motel room, a little wilted, and looked through the phone book, and I found a search agency. Okay. And I called them, and I'm so thankful I did that. They... They had experience. They guided me through the whole process. They assigned me a search partner who had mm -hmm. already found her own child. Okay. And for four years, I worked with my search partner looking through records, yearbooks, mm -hmm. registries. Yearbooks, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and finally, on, and I wrote to the court, I wrote to the adoption agency. The first thing I received finally actually it took two years to get this they mm -hmm. nothing happened for a year I wrote a second time and I finally got uh, pictures of her that her adoptive parents had sent to the adoption agency okay. and learned her name was Vicki the name I gave her wow they kept and, that yeah oh, it just felt I just was, I'm, my voice yeah. is breaking. Yeah. That was so beautiful. I felt yeah. like, oh, they let me name her. They mm -hmm. let her keep the name I gave mm -hmm. her. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, and then, then uh, slowly, slowly it unfolded. Finally, we got her parents' first names, 
and the fact that they had married in Southern California in this 10-year period of the 70s, I guess, or the okay. 50s or 60s, whatever. And uh, so we started going through microfiche, which is alphabetized by the husband's last name okay looking for two first names and then looking across at ages approximate ages and uh my birth partner started with the a's and i started with the z's and we were going toward the middle <laughs> so um and during when i started that search i was just plunged back to being that 19-year-old girl who had just mm -hmm. buried every feeling. Mm -hmm. And I felt that all of that unworthiness, uh, all of that all over again. So I went, I w found a therapist. Okay. I, okay. I felt okay. like I was burdening my friends <laughs> too mm -hmm. much with all of it. Mm -hmm. And um, so that really helped me through the search. And my search partner told me, you know, when you find her, you are prepared for this, but she's not. She's right. going to be in shock. She won't be expecting this. Be patient. She's mm -hmm. going to have a lot to process. Mm -hmm. So I feel really fortunate that I had all of that counseling. Yeah. And the, the gift of that time was when I started telling my secret. Mm-hmm. I started telling my story, and other women told me theirs. Right. Because it felt safe once you tell your story. It feels yeah. give them that safety net there. Oh, wow. You went me too. I heard a lot yeah. of me too's. Yeah. yeah. Before oh the gosh. me too movement. Before, yeah, it's a different me too. <laughs> it's a different me too. Oh, yeah. but so healing yeah. and so yeah. beautiful because... Yeah. Because it wasn't just through, you know, adoption or mm -hmm. it was miscarriages, mm -hmm. abortions, mm -hmm. uh, stolen children, mm -hmm. uh, just mm -hmm. so many ways mm -hmm. that we all grieve. Yes, yes. Together. As you say, not being validated, not being feeling worthy. It's like it was a Monica or it's like. And really, the whole thing of not only did the girls go, the girls that went away, being, I say, put aside into yeah. a home or whatever. It wasn't, I didn't go there. They went homes for me. That's another story. But anyway, of set aside, being set aside, because almost like, well, going to the room, going to the corner, you know, because you have to be set aside because, you know, you can't. Yeah. Just all of that, all of that, yeah. Yeah. Well, and the damage of hiding that inside myself mm. for mm -hmm. all that time. Mm -hmm. And it just, yeah, the secret, I, I don't know who Secrets keep was. you sick. Yes. Secrets keep has you a, sick. Yeah. Uh -huh. It's the it's worse than actually what happened. Yes, it, it is. It and is. feeling like if anybody if anybody knew who I really was uh -huh. inside, uh -huh. they would have nothing to do with me. Right. So I have to hide who right. I am. Right. And being fearful if you do share, well, okay, I'm gonna lose them because they're gonna go away because it's gonna tell them whether they don't wanna be with me or love me anymore and all of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. It was just yeah, it's it's 
it's a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and uh, so I found her, and we we talked for an hour and a half okay. the first time I called. And then and was she it a called. cold call, or she yeah. knew you were calling, or what? No. Tell me the circumstance. So, yeah, my search partner found her parents. Okay. And they lived, they had, she had lived within 50 miles of me in the Bay Area of Northern California all, all her life, practically. Mm, okay. They had moved away from Arizona. And uh, so... She called me, I found them, I drove to the little town. I left work and drove to the little town. And it had a, a little Norman Rockwell uh, center in the middle with the county clerk's office or something. Okay. You know. uh-huh. And I walked in there not knowing what I was gonna do, but it just came to me, I'm gonna ask for her marriage certificate, because okay. she's 30, she's uh-huh. probably married. And I paid my fee, and a few minutes later, I was walking out the door with her marriage certificate. Wow. Okay, <laughs> like, okay. Wow, <laughs> somebody's guiding me here, because uh, it was just, yeah, it was like, and I and I felt like, yeah, this is momentous. How do I feel? Mm-hmm. What's going on? Mm-hmm. It felt like grace mm-hmm. that yes. I had that I had this in my hand. And yes, yes. So then it was another big search because I did find on her marriage certificate the college she and her husband went to. Okay. And uh, that they lived in Southern California, so. I then I had to search through. I think the LA area must have 20 different area codes <laughs> <laughs> and no internet. And see, right? we're talking there here, Barbara, in 2022. A lot of people don't know what a phone book look like, okay? Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. And you had to you had to find a phone book. You had to go to a library to mm-hmm. find a phone book for mm-hmm. another area code. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So uh, that was a journey. And then when I finally found their names, mm-hmm. um, I, I made the call. I was scared okay. to death. I right. made the call. Her husband answered, and she was out with the girls for the evening. So I said, so I just said, oh, okay, I'll call her back tomorrow. You know, right. and he didn't seem interested in taking a message. Right, right, us. right. And I don't know whether you want to leave that <laughs> message or not. Yeah, yeah. no. Yeah. So, yeah. and that was something my birth partner told me. Make sure you're speaking to the that person uh-huh. only. They yeah. are the one who has the right to make a decision. Yeah. So I called about 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning, thinking that was late enough, and but you know not not too early, not too late Mm -hmm. before she'd be out. And uh, so yeah, it was a cold call. I think she was in shock. (laughs) I think she was. Had to be. I know she was. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we just. (sighs) So what did you say? I said, uh, well, first I said, uh, I, is this Vicky, you know, in her name? Mm-hmm. And uh, 
before I told her who I was, I said, would you write down this number in case we're cut off? Because a lot of times I was told that she might accidentally slam down the phone or on purpose and then regret it later, mm -hmm. maybe just said later. Mm -hmm. uh, so anyway, and of course her first thought was, oh, I won a contest. <laughs> <laughs> but then when she came down, came back, wrote down the number, I said, I've, um, oh, I had told her my full name, but that meant nothing. I said, I um, have been searching for the child I gave up for adoption in 1964, and I believe, and my voice cracked, mm -hmm. I believe I'm your birth mother. Pause. <laughs> and she said, oh, wow. I mean, she, yeah, she was definitely in shock. Wow. And wow. she told me later that the th that she had all this fear of rejection. She still had resentment. But mm -hmm. hearing my voice crack, mm -hmm. she felt sympathy for me. She wow. felt my pain, too. Wow. wow. And so, I th you know, she... And she buried her pain. Yeah. Yeah. And accepted my call. And we talked and talked and talked. And then the next day she did call back. Mm. Even though we talked for two hours, mm -hmm. the purpose of that call was to ask, ask me to back off because she wanted to talk to her parents. She didn't want to hurt them. Okay. And of course, and I had been prepared right I yeah. felt like oh sure of course I'll any you know it's up to you mm -hmm. I want you to set the pace right. I'm you know I really felt I believed that I was prepared for anything and for her to to reject me if she wanted or whatever so I did I s totally agreed you set the pace I'm just glad you know, if you want me in your life at all, that's yours, your decision. But I just wanted to know you're okay. And, uh, but probably the truth is I would have died if she had rejected me. It, it would have been hurtful. Yes, yes, it definitely would have been hurtful. So yeah. anyway, but, but I took heart from the fact that we talked for another two hours. Okay. And then after she spoke to her parents and they were really great about it okay and if they had any concerns they hid it well they they and I got to meet them they were lovely okay. and uh kind of saw me as another daughter they were quite a bit older than me okay okay so so what year was that that you found her in 1994 when okay. she was third the year she turned 30 and the year I turned 50. Okay, okay. Yeah. So how has it been? So at first, you know, I was used to having a superficial relationship with my parents and my family, you know. Mm -hmm. I thought that was what a relationship was. But uh, she believed, she now says that we were both hiding ourselves and lying, mm -hmm. lying to each other about how we felt and who we were. We, when we met, there was it was almost like uh, 
the new baby bond. Mm. We we couldn't keep our eyes off each other. We kept touching our hands mm. or shoulder. I mean, it was like a honeymoon period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the union has different phases. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then we did, We she lived in Southern California, I was in Northern California, she hadn't had a child yet, so we were able to visit back and forth quite a bit at first, okay. the first year or two, and it was, it, it was what I was used to, you know, a mm-hmm. superficial relationship, mm-hmm. and if, and I would sense a little bit her frustration with me but I was used to that because that's how I my parents always felt Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. (laughs) what really happened is we started writing a memoir together Mm -hmm. and when we started sharing our stories our secrets we started getting closer and closer it's like Mm -hmm. stitching a mend Mm -hmm. you know with little, with a needle and thread, right. and just getting it little, little, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, and it was so funny at first, I remember she asked me to write about get how I got pregnant. Well, okay. I met her father, it was a blind date, I didn't really want to go on it, I got talked into going, and then I was pregnant. <laughs> okay, like, suddenly um, at one time. Huh? <laughs> Did something happen in between all those months? <laughs> well, I don't remember. I had blacked out so much. Wow, okay. But but when you're writing, you keep having to dig deeper yes. and deeper. Yeah, yeah. And both of us just kept digging deeper and deeper. Mm. And so that really has I think that really helped us to get close. Right. You became vulnerable with each other. Totally. We peel back the layers of who we truly are and start sharing and being able to share, even though how uncomfortable it probably was. Yeah. That's what true intimacy is. Yeah. When you yeah. when you share your good, bad, ugly, and indifference, I like to say, and they still love me. I know. Yeah. It's, it's so scary for both of us still to say something that we might hurt the other person, right. but it's still the truth. It's still the truth. Oh, yeah. oh that hurts. It's like... It's an echo chamber, right? An echo chamber of empathy. <laughs> yes, yes. But you know, Barbara, I say also to, true, to build a true relationship of any sort, of any yeah. sort, you have to be transparent with people. You have to be vulnerable with people. And, and put it out there bit by bit, as you say, with it. And you gradually, because... Think about it, and this is how I think about it. When someone shares their deepest secrets, oh wow, they really want to know me and sharing who they are. So mm-hmm. it really comes back. I look at it as a twofold. Well, I, if you you shared this, well, I can share this. It's back yeah. to the me too. It's yeah, back to the it me is. too. When you start sharing with each other, or you may not share until the other person first shares something. But when you start having that interaction with each other, 
Oh, wow. And you're peeling back the lies, the secrets, no more. Because see, nothing, no one can hold anything over you if there's nothing to hold over you. That's the truth, yeah. Yeah, that's where the freedom comes. Did you feel free? How do you Absolutely. feel now about your relationship with oh your Oh, my God. Baby? Yeah. She's like my best friend. Yeah. Um, see, that's awesome. We, yeah, and she's even, she said the same thing, uh, that she doesn't think she'd had such an honest relationship right. with anybody else in her right. life. Right. right. So it's, yeah. and it's, it's what you're talking about. It's a gift we mm-hmm. give one another, I mm-hmm. think, to a piece of ourselves. This is yeah. me. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I'm trusting you to see. That's me. it. Building trust. Yeah. Building trust. Absolutely. Yeah. And even, you know, the whole scenario, and I say scenario, the whole constellation of adoption, there's so many secrets and things not told and all of that anyway. You oh, have yeah. to first overcome that. And you can only overcome that by dialogue. Not that I have the full prescription. There is no playbook for this with adoption and reunion. There's no, there's a roller coaster. Sometimes I fall off. Sometimes I get back on. Sometimes I just lay there. You know, it's like that's how it is based on what today is. But when you've got that transparency and you open yourself up, I'm here for you to share with you anything. That's what I say to my son. Anything. With awesome. that. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. That's wonderful. Any last thoughts, Barbara? What you're um, I'm I'm curious, did it did it how long have you been in reunion? And it did it take a long time to get that true trust? It's it's still going on. It's still going yeah. on. I, to me it'll be lifelong. Yeah. To me, I've been in union four years, be four years this year. Oh, that's not Not quite long. four years. Yeah. yeah, not too long. And But yet and still, I came in the beginning as a, here I am, I'm, tra- I'm, I'm transparent, complete book, mm-hmm. open, ask me anything, will hide nothing from you. Because yeah. along with it, not really knowing all of what his uh, life was com- was coming on with, I wanted to make sure I am here to answer any and every question that you never have to wonder. Never have to yeah. wonder, can I say this? Or is, a, is it going to be a retribution? Whatever. You can say anything. Say anything. Yeah. You know, oh. at the same time and being come, I'm here. One of the wow. greatest things I think I've heard from my son you're there to support me and I'm so proud of you and I tell him I'm so proud of him. Oh, you know, yeah. because back again, I I, I pivoted out of that when I I really I broke out of that dysfunction <laughs> out of my family. Yeah. When I, I left high school and went to college because I knew I had to move forward from that. I couldn't yeah. be that brick wall to children I had or just in relationships. And knew that dialogues had to come. And only with the constant conversation did you steadily build that trust, that intimacy. So to me, it's lifelong. Because adoption is lifelong. This is forever. Yeah. This yeah, is forever. So yeah, so we're growing. We're My son and I are just growing and growing and growing. And that's how it's going to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I feel this. I feel the same way. I feel like my daughter is a gift to the world mm. and and she's probably my greatest accomplishment in this mm-hmm. world is to bring this beautiful human being 
into the world who right. who strives to always do her best and yeah. to give back to the world. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And this and and to think this was my shame. <laughs> See, I mean, when we truly look in perspective of what we truly have. People yeah. attempted to put shame on you when you were gifting, you were birthing, birthing a gift to the world. Yeah, a absolutely. gift to the world. And so, if I had to say, and I say this all the time to birth moms and whatever out there, is believing you are worthy. Look at some of the titles of the Birth Moms Real Talk podcast. All of them tell a story. I will always be a mom. Yeah. I am worthy. They tried to put it on me. You know, in other words, shake off. Shake off that shame. It's not going to be done overnight. It's not going to be. But give yourself that time to constantly be working on it and working on it and working on it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Barbara, for being a guest on here. (laughs) Thank you for inviting me. Vicki and I actually have started a podcast. Okay. Okay. I'd love to have you on the podcast with mother and daughter. And we'd love to have you on ours. This season, we are interviewing people who inspire us. Okay. the work you're doing to help our communities wonderful is just wonderful i would love to i would yeah. love to love and to i love i did want to mention i was thinking of one of your hot topics okay of what is my idea of holding space for yes. my child yes and i've been meditating on that and mm-hmm. i think my job is to love her unconditionally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to listen yes and to follow her lead right because she's taking me to places i never thought i would be See? going at my age <laughs> that's awesome and that's wonderful that is wonderful you know because that's so true when we recognize back again using your word the gift or the present that we we were given and that's how i look at you know, I, and, and you've heard me talk about this before. Back in my day, people were saying, well, it's an illegitimate birth. How in the world can a child be illegitimate? I mean, I just never yeah. understood that. And so yeah. that's what I put forth in pride and whatever. Whichever way you came, you were meant to be. Whatever day you were born, that was your purpose. You were here for a purpose and fulfill yeah. that. I call it that dash. That dash between your sunrise and your sunset to do God's purpose here in, on earth. And, and, and I'm to, hit, to help you, support you to do it in mm-hmm. any way. And because it's so amazing, and you know it already when we talk about for us being birth moms, when we get that energy of somebody speaking into us of who we are, yeah. you are wonderful, you are empowered, you are beautiful, you are all of this and that in a bag of chips, you know, you can do anything. Absolutely. <laughs> you can do anything. And so it's that encouragement that's given. That's what I was looking for. Yvonne, from my parents and whatever. Yeah. We're not sorry, but we're here for you. For whatever they could be there for. When you ignore someone, that is saying you're not even worthy for me to even respond to you. I know. My gosh. Yeah. And so my, I took that. Well, I'm still talking. Y'all don't have to listen to me, but I'm still talking. <laughs> 
<laughs> as, as I said, I think I said it earlier today, as if I, you know, when I, you know, drove myself to the hospital, came back after three days and walked in the house, nobody asked me for it, whether I had a boy or a girl, I have a son, you know, yeah. so whether hear it or whatever, I acknowledge that. Acknowledge yeah. that. Yeah, this has been great, Barbara. This is thank been you so, so much, Yvonne. I appreciate this. You've talk been listening so much. to Birth Moms Real Talk podcast with Barbara, the platform with birth moms will share their story, share their journey, share their pain, their grief, their trauma to help you overcome this lifelong journey, whether a birth mom, adoptee, adoptive mom, all of that to help you in that situation there. Tune into our podcast, give us reviews, submit your story if you're a birth mom to have you on the show. Like, do a like for our Facebook page. Join our Birth Moms Real Talk Village, which Barbara, you're a new member of. I am. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to have our first Zoom. Uh, not first, and we do a monthly Zoom on the fourth Tuesday. We're actually reading Primal Womb now. So we are, we are a village of healing to help each other and all of that. So I encourage all the birth moms. I get a lot of emails, people saying they love the podcast, support support us. This does take money. You know, my company is a sponsor of it. But we want you to come in as a Patreon. Patreon supporter as well as birth moms join the village. So we will see you next time. Thank you, Yvonne. You have been listening in to Birth Moms Real Talk Podcast, a platform where birth moms and natural moms share their stories, their journeys. If you are a birth or natural mom and wish to share your story, please go to our website at www.birthmomsrealtalk.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Birth Moms Real Talk. Join our private Birth Moms Real Talk Village, a private Facebook and a monthly Zoom, a welcome package with a journal and book readings. Support us through Patreon, on our website, or PayPal. We are the place of grace and healing. See you next time.